episode of the I Needed That podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and NeuroGum and Mint. Absolutely. So the first one would be NeuroGum. Have you have you heard about NeuroGum? I have. I actually bought a pack of this gum at a Sprouts one time. How were you introduced to it? So a couple months ago, JB, who's our project manager on our app, is like, dude, I've got the best gum in the world. You're going to freak out. He gave me a sample. I loved it. Um, and, and he is the funniest thing is like, not only does it make you feel great, increase your focus, but the flavor of it. I don't know how you guys did it, but you did it. And it's so good. It lasts forever. Go to the sponsor link, which we've set up for you at try slash. I needed that. That's T R Y N E U R O G U M.com slash. I needed that to enjoy energy, calm and focus whenever you need it. Try the gum, try the mints. You're going to love them both. Let's talk about better help. For so many people, it's an incredible service, and it's needed now more than ever. Amen to that, for sure. And what's so great about BetterHelp is it's the world's largest therapy service. It's all online, 100% online. So to get started, all you do is you answer a couple of questions about your needs, your preferences in therapy, and then you're off and you're scheduling uh, with somebody that is going to be able to talk to you. Now, what I love about BetterHelp is say you don't connect with somebody right away. There's, there's people waiting in the wings. Like, you can change therapists. That's no big deal. That's what I love about it, too. They'll actually match you up with someone who has uh, commonalities and has shared experiences. And so they can really connect with you because it's like, oh, yeah, well, I've been through that, too. And yeah. we're going to save you a little bit of money. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash I Needed That. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash I Needed That. And just so you know, we're going to throw all of this stuff in the show notes, too, because we really want you to take advantage of it. There is literally nothing better than talking to a therapist and picking up some tools to make your life more meaningful. And what I want to say to people is, is so many times we think about therapy and we think, oh, I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. There's almost nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You just need a couple of tools and tricks and strategies and something like to kind of set you up and get you to the next place, right? That's, That's it. Just like we need exercise for our physical health, therapy is there for our mental health and you can't you can't have one without the other it's a holistic approach and i can't i cannot stress it strongly enough yeah so go ahead and take a look in the show notes get a link to Neurogum better help move one million uh learn from people who lived it.com is how you connect with me that's it that's all we got for you today you ready to get into the podcast let's go buddy I needed that. I'm down for that. I think that's cool. Well, Chris's podcast, I Needed That, co-hosted by Matthew Blades, is available on all streaming platforms, everybody. So this is actually where we get down into some really some tactical stuff. I like it. And here we go. Solutions and strategies. That's what this is all about. Bro, we just hit 100,000. We made $100,000? No, no, 100,000 downloads. Again, we're talking with Rachel from season five of my show. And where are they now, Apple? episode. It, it is. For those of you who don't know me, I walked away from my radio show with a year left on my contract. <laughs> Who's whistling right now? <laughs> this is it, man. Episode number 36 of the yes. I Need That podcast. Hello, Chris Powell. What's up, Matthew Blades? How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Nice little morning. I always appreciate it when I can come over here and we can just like keep it real and talk and unload and and just be what we are. We for did. each other and uh man it's just uh, I'll, I'll never i'll never probably stop being grateful for that connection so me too appreciate buddy. that likewise my friend yeah. we did do some unloading this morning <laughs> but both of us did didn't we, we? Yeah. <sighs> but you know what you gotta have you gotta have that person in your life yeah you know like no man is an island we can't do this alone you gotta have that person that you can unload to dude i watch uh, i drive down the 202 to come to see you and there's this huge billboard that's out there and it says hey guys How's it going doing life by yourself? Mm. <clears throat> and it always gets my attention and it, it kind of, it does. It makes you grateful that you have certain people that you can lean on, have real conversations with because they're not always warm and fuzzy. And like what, what we had to talk about this morning isn't like the world's most fun thing in the world to talk about. Yeah. But we like, we hash it out. I feel better. You feel better. I think. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. 100, like there, there's a saying, either like a good friend or a good coach. We'll always tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yeah. And it's true. And, and the thing is, we can totally have these conversations. And, you know, it always starts off with us, you know, venting about everything that's <laughs> going on in our lives. And then it's, then it always, it always, here's the best part though. Both of our objectives are completely aligned. Yeah, yeah. It's to make this the greatest experience for you guys. That's what it's all, that's what everything was really all about is how can we take this to you on another level? So, because you all know this about Chris Powell. 
But for those of you who don't, it's like, this is really one of the most genuine humans on this oh, planet Earth walking, right? He, he, is, he is so in this for other people and, and has such a good message and such a powerful message to share with you guys that these are the kinds of people we need to be amplifying, right? These are the voices that deserve to be up on the high, making sure that people know that. And I think our guest today would probably, probably echo those statements. Wow. I appreciate that, my friend. And I, I, and I'm not just saying, I feel the same way about you. Yeah. I mean, you left, you left your job and you, and a contract to do, to help other people, to start your own podcast, to start your own shows and everything. And so, you know, it takes one to know one. Takes one to know one, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it, I love that, man. All right, well, listen, lots of great stuff. We're going to play Name That Tune today. We actually had a, a contest over the last week, and we're going to announce the winner of that contest. Uh, I'm doing, a, I, I'm actually doing a retreat, bro. I've started, uh, I'm going to jump in a little bit of the event space, and I'm going to put on my first grief retreat. Oh, that's awesome. In October and toward the end of the pod. Remind me, I want to tell you about it. Wow. Absolutely. Right. Dude, congratulations. That's Thanks so cool. So why don't we bring in our guest, man? Uh, I'll let you explain who he is, how you know him, why he's here. Uh, and I'm going to bring him into the picture right now. I can't wait. Okay. So a lot of you who have followed me for quite some time, you're going to know this gentleman here. Um, I was blessed to have him grace me with his presence for a year on season three of our show, and it's the one and only Merbad Mohammadi. My friend, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, big time, man. Welcome to I Needed That. Where are you right now in the world? What state are you in? I'm actually uh, uh, in in beautiful, sunny Arizona. Oh, you're down the street. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there you go. I'm in, uh, I'm in East Mesa now. So believe it or not, so very, so very cool. close to where Chris what, is. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do, Murbad? What do you do to fill up your days? You have a family? Man, man, yeah. We got I got two kids, uh four and a half year old and a one and a half year old. Oh my uh, gosh. One boy, one girl. We'll send a life preserver uh, yeah. over immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's crazy, man. That's all we ever heard was, you know, it's craziness uh with the kids, but it's the probably the funnest time of my life. It's really enjoyable and doesn't get better than this. So when did you meet him? So we met back in, I'm going to say 2012. Is it two? Uh, yeah, it was two, yeah, 2012. Okay. So yeah, Merbod's, his transformation was 2012 to 2013. In season three of the show. And uh, we had some wild adventures, but um, it's, it's not about me. This is about you, buddy. And so you've been through like an incredible journey in your life. I mean, starting oh, yeah. in Iran. And, um, you know, I, I learned so much from you going through just, just the year that we got to spend together. Um, if you wouldn't mind actually just sharing just a little bit about, I was talking about this, uh, we were doing a Facebook live right before this and I was kind of giving a little bit of your history on how your family left Iran, went to Canada, Vancouver, and then guys moved down to Tustin from there. So yeah. why did you, if you don't mind sharing, like you guys had to leave Iran. Well, uh, there's obviously there's multitude of, of things that happen, but essentially what it came down to is, is, is human rights. Um, so my parents survived obviously the revolution, my grandparents and everybody who was in the, uh, at the time in the Iranian Imperial air force, um, every single person from our, our family ended up leaving some, uh, to Southern California, some to Utah, Salt Lake city. Um, and, um, and that's actually where my dad went to school at the university of Utah. Um, and so what happened, I think within right after the revolution, uh, ended up being the Iran and Iraq war, which was an eight year war. Uh, and what I year believe, are we talking <clears throat> about Merbot? I'm sorry to interrupt. So 1979, 1979 was a revolution. Okay. Right. And then I think believe 1980s where the Iran and Iraq war started, okay. um, within a, a couple of years after, and then it was, it went on for eight years during that time. I was just a baby. So I didn't really understand how heavy it was. Uh, but, you know, I remember the bombings that would happen. I mean, we lived in Tehran, which is the main city. You know, we could hear the sirens, you'd run down. Uh, at school, same thing, you hear the sirens, you'd go underneath ground. Uh, but I believe <clears throat> the, the, the trigger was, you know, women have to obviously be covered. This whole, the whole Iranian movement that's happening right now, you know, the women life uh, freedom. Uh, in Iran right now is still a war that we're we're trying to fight. But at that time, uh, they call them the the Hezbollahs. But basically, 
uh, my mom had nail polish on and you weren't allowed to have nail polish on. I remember she was picking me up from school and my dad, when he came to, 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 to get me, they actually arrested her for having nail polish. And, um, and I believe when she, he saw her getting taken away and could not do absolutely nothing about it, uh, you know, get thrown in the car, taken to jail, um, for having nail polish. I think it was that moment that it clicked that, uh, for him that it's, it's time to get out. So we <clears throat> literally sold everything for pennies to a dollar, wrapped up everything we couldn't get. Uh, we weren't able to come to the U S at the time because of visa issues. Uh, we actually ended up moving to, to Vancouver, British Columbia, and then making our way from Vancouver later on in life to, to, to Southern California, where all, all our family is at. But I believe at the time, the reason, you know, we had to leave wasn't all the stuff that was going on. But at an instant, my dad said, as a man, he felt that he felt helpless watching his wife being being taken away. And he could do absolutely nothing about it. And he realized that if they could have done anything they wanted to her and that he had no say. So I think within a couple of weeks, we we sold everything that we had left a lot behind and uh, started our life, you know, at zero with my father so and my mom and my sister at the time. Yeah. Do wow. you ever talk to your parents about the insane amount of courage that they must? Because what they did is not the normal, right? Most people are going to cower. Oh. They're going to be like, this is where we live. This is how it is. But that yeah. took insane courage for them to make that move. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talk about it often. You know, especially in our circles and people that know, because, you know, I feel like we're at a very insane time in American history right now uh, where there's a lot of people that don't appreciate where they live. And uh, and, I, and 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 coming from, you know, a place where I, you know, uh, <laughs> dreamt of living in, in, a, in an amazing country like this, it's hard when you look back and go, damn, like. You know, where was uh, where where we were and where we are today and the freedoms that we have and and it's not appreciated and people don't take it for granted every day. And I get it. You know, if you're if you're fed filet mignon every day, you know, you don't appreciate it. But if you're getting sardine and crackers every day and you get fed filet, then you have a different appreciation for 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 that. You know, so um, we were we were just so lucky and so blessed. So that every day, uh, you know, I wake up and I'm thankful for not only. Uh, for my parents for going through that journey, but anybody that that has the courage to leave, you know, a third world country where, you know, you can work your your butt off and and put your mind. You could be an engineer, you could be a doctor, and you'll still not make anything of yourself in those countries. And for them to, you know, leave because of us as kids and go through, you know, my dad being a a civil engineer and you know, make building apartment buildings and then all of a sudden come to Vancouver and working at a gas station. It's a, it's a huge, you know, uh, difference all of a sudden in lifestyle, but you know, it's freedom is, is, is worth so much more than anything. You can give me a million dollars a month to live, live in that country. And I, you know, I, I, for me, it's hard because you just don't have the freedoms and my children get to have those freedoms here. Am I, so, am I, can yeah. you just say really quick, am I picking up on the fact that this still makes you really emotional when you talk about it? Oh yeah, man, of course. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, no matter how you look at it, it's still your homeland. It's where you grew up as, you know, it's where my, you know, uh, you know, my, 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 uh, grandfather, you know, fought for that country. And he, uh, he was, uh, you know, a, a lieutenant general in the Iranian Imperial Air Force, and he had everything taken away from him during the revolution. And, you know, for me, the hardest part is that there is still people that, you know, in Iran that that are in the same position as we were that just don't have the freedoms. You know, just imagine for a second, you're driving in a car and all of a sudden your hair is out. And someone can literally pull you over, take you out of the car and take you in. And you don't know whether you will see them again or not. That's essentially what what what, you know, you're dealing with in a country like that. So, yeah. no, you know, and, and so for us, you know, we we're thankful every day, you know, uh, that, that we were given the opportunity to, you know, and have the parents that were not that kind of, you know, lived for us, 
right? Essentially, because they wanted to get out of, to give us an opportunity to make a life for ourselves here. And, and, uh, couldn't be more thankful. (laughs) Murby, I know you and I have known each other for a long time, but even listening to you go back through and and tell the story of this, I do have a lot of questions about, do you think based on what your father and your mother did for you, taking you out of Iran, bringing you to Canada, then down into to Tustin. Do you think some of that is part of the drive behind your entrepreneurial spirit? Because you've you've been a hustler <laughs> since I've known you, and, and, and you talk about the, the the freedoms that you didn't have. That you, mm-hmm. even as a child, though, you understood that you didn't have those, mm-hmm. and you watched your father fight, you know, fight mm-hmm. to, to oh, give yeah. you the opportunity. And now here you are. You're living the American dream. I mean, you, you've built oh, your own company. And sure. like, do you think that could possibly be one of the driving forces behind it? It is, man. And it's tough, right? Because, you know, uh, it kind of hits close to home a little bit when you think about it, because you have to have hardship in order for you to understand what it takes to make things happen, right? So you have to learn failures over and over in order for you to understand. And I think, part of that with life, it happens that where you're like, man, I'm going to get moved out of this school. I mean, it's different. Like during the bombings in Iran, I was going to a school in Tehran and then we packed up everything during the bombings and moved to a place called Dizin, which was a little town. And in that little town, it was a school that had first and third grade uh, in one classroom, uh, fourth and fifth grade in one. And it was in a graveyard. Mm. Our playground was a graveyard. And everybody in that surrounding lived in the type of homes was made out of mud, right? And wow. and let me tell you something. When, when I say that at the time, I didn't realize any of that. I had the best time of my life. You know, I'm running around, playing with the kids. I had a great time. It's just in my mind, it's like you go through all that. You get changed from school. Then you go to Vancouver. You don't speak any English. You get thrown in a classroom where you're the only foreigner. They're teaching French. You don't even speak English. <laughs> so... You know, you learn adversity. And then from there to get up and move to like another school and go from West Van to North Vancouver to West Vancouver. And then from West Vancouver, come to Torrance and then from Torrance, you know, go to Palos Verdes and from Palos Verdes, move to uh, uh, Orange County. So you go through all these things. So at that point, you're so, you know, you got calluses, you know, so you kind of understand what it takes to, you know, the adversity that you're given. So to me, none, nothing like when you say business to me, it's like, man, every day I get to live my dream and, and to be able to like have this opportunity and be in a, in a, and let me give you an example. I could take out a loan today in this country. And if I can't pay it back, there's options for me. You take out a loan in Iran. If you can't pay it back, you go to jail. Mm. There's a big difference, right? Mm-hmm. So so when you come to this country, you have all these freedoms. You have all these things in your fingers. And guess what? You don't even have to be an entrepreneur. You could work for a company and have vacations and do things that you enjoy. But I feel like to go back to your point, yes, 100%. You, you, it's not hard when people say, man, you're doing all these things. I do it. I said, man, like, look at what we went through to get to where we are today. So this is this is not work for me. This is <laughs> I get to come to work. I get to hang out with my, my business partner is my best friend. You know, I get, you know, amazing employees. We get to hang out and, and it's, it's really just a fun time for me, man. Nothing like this is, is anything compared to what the experiences of my parents. And, and also to add to your point, what I love about what I'm doing is the fact that I'm able to, you know, make my father proud of what he was able to do. And then to now have him four doors down from me, he has offices actually next door to mine and to be able to just <laughs> experience awesome. that with them. And, and that's, that was my goal is to be able to be uh, successful enough one day that I could do that and have him close to me and have him retired and be able to just enjoy time with them on a daily basis. That's awesome. When did Chris come yeah. into your life, Rabat? And why? Man, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, uh, I tried out for, uh, I, I believe it was like, I had some of my friends and stuff like, man, you got to try out for biggest loser. You kill it. And I, we tried for that. And then, and then I think like someone that, that saw that reached out to us through extreme makeover, uh, which I'd never heard of at the time. And I was like, Oh, you know, and then, um, I started watching some clips of, of who he was. And, and then, um, Lo and behold, I ended up getting on the, 
you know, I think it was the finals or something to get yeah. on the show. And the uh, first time I met him, I was actually sitting in, uh, uh, I think it was Four Seasons. It was a really nice resort. <laughs> Four Seasons were sitting. Yeah, we had to bug like your style. We, we had to like you guys yeah, up a little bit. It was nice. Man. <laughs> yeah, he, he walked in there, man. And it was like, you know, I think the first time I met him was was when he walked in and everybody was like, whoa, it's Chris Powell. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yeah, man, that was a, that was the first time him and I, him and I ended up meeting. First, yeah. first impression, be honest. <laughs> first impression. Just, just, uh, it was, it was like, he was the most exuberant, you know, <laughs> just, it, it, it just, you good at, you know, there's two types of people, right? Actually, I'll say three, three types of people. There's ones that walk in the room, it brightens up. There's ones that walk in the room that suck the energy out. And there's the neutral ones, right? <laughs> Chris is the one walks in the room. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like everybody was sitting there and all of a sudden, like everybody's like, yeah, everybody's smiling, you know, for, you know, so it's, uh, it was, it was. This you is what I was talking was, about, Murad, well, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this <laughs> is the power of this guy. Well, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it's easy to lose sight of that as the guy who's doing it all the time. But you can speak to it. I can speak to it because we look from the outside mm-hmm. in. He dramatically yeah. changes a room. Well, you, you yeah, guys are too kind. Sure. You're, yeah. you're too kind. Yeah. But let yeah, me tell you, though. That's, that's the thing. Th- there's a reason, though. There's a reason why Maribod was selected on the show, though, because, um, number one, he's got this incredible charismatic personality. And also, I mean, there, there are multiple criteria as to what we're looking for for someone to, to go through the transformation. First of all, they actually have to genuinely want to transform. And for us, when we were actually selecting people to go on the show, we're trying to weed it out because there's a lot of people that will go and sell themselves. And Maribel, there, there are some people in, in tryouts that, that yeah. they, they would sell the, they'd sell the dream at how bad they yeah. want it. But you can tell the ones that, want to, that really want to be on TV and you can tell the ones that really want to do this. Because they just yeah. they they're desperate to change their life. Well, and his backstory so, lends hundred percent like it lends to the fact that you know you're going to select somebody who's going to put in the work hundred percent, and and the the every every place that Marbon has been from and where he was going, it was like I I want to spend a year with this guy mm. and get to know him and really understand him, and that a hey, dude we had fun. I mean, oh, yeah, the, yeah, there were yeah, up, there were ups it. and downs. He's like, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. You see him scratching the back of his head. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I love three <laughs> no, <a> days. There, <laughs> oh yeah. There, there were some good times, and there were some really super freaking stressful times too. What what was what was the the worst part of the experience for you? And again, yeah, let's you go high low. Shoot, shoot straight, man. You can be totally I honest. Think the worst, yeah, worst part of the experience for me was I felt like. Um, worst part of it was the the days when we had to do like the six to eight hour workouts, like the crazy six hour workouts. You know, um, I think that was a a part of it that really uh, like, man, this is not sustainable. Like once this stops, but at the same time, well, that was also the worst part. I feel like that was also the best part because it just shows what the human body was capable of doing. If you just put your mind to it. And I was, I was telling my partner the other day, because there's a place called wind cave here. So it's, yeah. it's a hike that it's we great. used to go on. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, going on that thing takes me two hours, you know, huffing and puffing. Yeah. One time when we were doing these workouts, like the, the six hour days and stuff, I'll be running that thing. Dude, you, so it's you'd like, be up you just know, like 30 you, minutes. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. So yeah. you go up and come back down and you're like, so it kind of shows you that the power of, of the human, you know, human body and the human mind. But then at the same time, I feel like I just understood that this was not a sustainable way, you know? So I think it was a double headed sword. Um, and I also feel like, you know, putting your life out there, it's, it's hard, uh, you know, especially being that I'm not very, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a private person, you know, I'm not very private, but I'm kind of a private person. Uh, so it was a little hard there to, you know, constantly having to tape yourself and talk about your, 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 you know, deepest uh, issues and, and all that was kind of hard. But other than that, you know, I think it was, a, it was, a, it was an amazing experience. And if I had to do it all over again, I would. And just because also the people you meet, man, I, I met people, I thought these guys were onto something. We were like, <laughs> um, so I get casted, right. They put me in a room with uh, Mike Epstein, who is, uh, uh, so I, 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 it's Murbad Mohammadi, Mike Epstein. So I, I, I like the way I always say it, it's like they knew it. Like they put a Jewish brother with a Persian <laughs> brother. And then we had 
we had our boy, boy Bob, and then we call ourselves a three amigos. So that friendship <laughs> is still going on till today. It's yeah. like we would have never met because I remember when I went and met Bob, he's like, hey, Murby, uh, I just landed in Wisconsin. He goes, the Persian uh, population in Wisconsin just doubled. <laughs> you know? So I'm going to like New Jersey, like so like New Jersey, Wisconsin. Like, so the beauty of it is the relationships you end up making too, because, uh, you know, those are people that I would have probably never met in my lifetime yeah. if it wasn't for this show and us getting to know each other. So, so those things, plus obviously, uh, so those are, I would say is the highs and the lows was just knowing that what we were going through is not something that would be sustainable long-term, you know? And I think that really scared me. For sure. And I, and, and, you know, I, it's been so good for me also to talk very openly about all the things that I wish I could do different now. I mean, that's, I'm a perpetual student. I'm, I'm constantly learning and, you know, it's, it's interesting when you're going through that process and you feel that pressure from, you know, the powers that be, they're like, Hey, they really need to transform and the clock's ticking and we're like, okay, we're, we're going, we're going. But at the same time, it's like, we're dealing with people's lives here and, yeah. and yeah, we, we can help them lose the weight, but you, you bring up a really good question. Is it sustainable? And there's a lot of things we did that was not sustainable. And, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's why, like for, for me, I, I, it's always haunted me when I look back and I just think, oh man, I wish I could do this again. Yeah. Oh man, I, I wish I could just yeah. take them through it, through it again with everything that I know now. I've, you know, you, we make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And so and to take, go ahead. Buddy. And to take us through that again, but without having the powers that be that says, Hey, this is a business, right? This is a, you know, a, a multi-million dollar business where we have to deliver these things to a show, uh, you know, where if the transformation doesn't happen, that's a failed episode, you know? So for me coming from a business perspective, like I understand that True. you sign up, you're signing up for something. And I, I'll, uh, you know, and when, I, when we were in the house, you can hear people would, would talk like they don't care. I'm like, listen, you sign up for this. This is at the end of the day, ABC wants an episode that they could sell, right? It's not, you know, and, and, and also the production company needs to sell that to ABC. So I understood, you know, the, the, the business aspect of it. So to me, I feel like in every aspect of it, no matter who went through this, I feel like everybody had to have something that they got out of it, For whether sure. it's a friendship, whether it's understanding that they can, you know, yeah, I, I you know, I, I left when, when the show was over, like within, six months, I put on 80 pounds, you know what I mean? Like within six months, but the understanding of what I needed to do and just understanding <clears throat> that the, the, you know, the, what I'm capable of really helped me for the rest of my life on understanding, Hey, you know, I might not be, you know, a 230 pound guy going forward or 220 pound guy going forward, but I could be, you know, a 290 pound, 300 pound guy that eats healthy and makes good decisions and what, you know, and, and, and be able to sustain that for the rest of my life and have a normal life. I, I think a lot of people forget that being morbidly obese, you can't, you can't live a normal life. I don't care what anybody says. It's not, it's not, it's not normality. Uh, you you have a hard time doing A to Z, but when you at least have some kind of a, a, a balance that you're able to live a healthy lifestyle and you don't have to be ripped, you don't have to have a six pack, you're not, but just to be a healthy person and to be able to do everyday things at, like every other person can, that in itself is what you what you should strive for. And I think sometimes that gets lost in translation for <clears> a lot of people. What yeah. do you what, what what was your transformation like? What were you able to lose in the time that you were on the show with Chris? You know, um, I think I remember you starting weight. Believe it or not, okay. Yeah, and I could be me. totally off here. Was it four thirty four? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Pretty sure. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I don't yeah. know. 434 pounds. Yeah. I don't know how you remember that. Dude, but this yeah. is 2012. I'm I was actually, sure. yeah, I, I was bigger than that. And I think the transformation really started for me before that. Um, but yeah, 434 was when I clocked in. Um, and I think 230 is what I finished that. But the 230, <sighs> yeah. I essentially hit to, I hit 250. So again, we're mm-hmm. we're being honest. I had two fifty, and I saunaed to hit the two thirty mark. <laughs> I was six foot. I'm a tall guy, so I'm like six foot three. So like two thirty really made me look, you know, really made me look skinny. But 
But uh, I take it back. I'm 6'2 now, so I don't want to. <laughs> I, I used to be 6'3", so, and I've shrunk to 6'2", as well. Yeah, Bob, so I so, feel yeah, you, I was 6'2", so I'll Dude, face same it. What's happening? Chris. Like six months ago. I've, I've, I was 5'9", and now I'm 5'8". What the hell? It's not okay. <laughs> it's man. Hey, man, I, I actually want to ask a, um, a little bit of a vulnerable question, if I might. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And since we're talking about transformations, it's something Chris and I talk about all the time. Do you think that all of the stuff that you had to endure as a kid – um, was, was, was a big part of the reason that you had started to put on weight and, and started to make, oh, yeah. you know, choices not to take care of yourself or do this, that, and the other thing. And, and if so, how could you help our audience understand how the way that they came up might impact the way that they're treating themselves? You know, it's a, it's a beautiful question because I try every day to, to work on it with my kids so they'll never have that issue with me. And I think the reason that is, is growing up in Iran, uh, the borders are closed. OK, so being that the borders are closed, you're not getting anything imported. Um, so everything was scarce. So bananas, you know, this regular milk. So you get milk with a coupon and then you go wait in line to give it to you in a bag and you have to come home. You boiled it to make sure it killed. And then sometimes like killed all the parasite, whatever is in there. You boil the milk. It sometimes would be bad. So you. So growing up in that kind of uh, area kind of made you just want things that you couldn't get, right? And then all of a sudden you come to Vancouver where everything is at your fingertips, all sorts of food and everything. And I, you know, and and obviously I, I grew up with a little bit of, you know, mommy issues and stuff like that, that we, we ended up, you know, uh, having therapy for it. And I was able to get to where I am today. But, you know, it was like everything was hidden. Everything was don't eat that. Everything was you can only get, you know, this and that. And and my type of personality is like, hey, if I can't get something, then I will go and get it myself. You know, that's how I always thought. So and then if you can get it, you just overstuff yourself because you felt like you're not going to get it right. Or my dad was raised the same way, um, even though he's not overweight, but he was raised the same way. Because it comes from the you know cultural background of hey this is just for the guests you know <laughs> that you know not having access to those things and then later on in life it was always like now I can have access and I'm going to fill up as much as I can because it's forbidden to eat these things at the house Interesting. and I feel like that was a big part of it for me was was uh, was those those aspects of it and I think yes it's everything to do with that and it's funny because with my son right now we uh, you know my wife is. You know, she's so good at this thing, but uh, we get all sorts of healthy snacks and stuff like that. We have a little area that we have in our pantry that's like, you know, everything is they have access to anything they want. So it's never like you can only have one or you can't have. So it literally comes down to a point where my son can grab anything that he wants and he can have it. It's healthy snacks and he eats it. He just never feels deprived of anything. So when he sees something, he just doesn't try to overindulge because I know I had that in me. So we've we've worked on that with him and it's it's worked to a T. I just wish, you know, my parents had that ability back in the day to do that with me. And I don't think with my personality, I would have ended the end up ended up being the way I was. Uh, but we I'm, I'm doing everything I can to cut the, uh, you know, uh, so it doesn't follow it to to my kids going forward. You know, and I think that's that's the main part. Yeah. It, it, incredible awareness. I, I do remember even working with the psychologist during the show and, and her talking about your history and, and the fact that you were deprived of so much, how it was going to be such a strong trigger for you, especially because when, when you did have access to food. So there was, it's kind of the root of it. And I, I love also oh, yeah. how, you know, you're a dad now. And so you've right. taken all those lessons that you've learned that hardship and now you're, you're, you're teaching those lessons to your kids, but you're actually, you're presenting them with opportunities yeah. and, and experiences. And also you're providing them with access so that it's yeah. not going to have that deep rooted psychological impact on them. And it's crazy how it works too, because you'll be like, man, we, we go to Cold Stone or something. And he's like, I want the chocolate. I want the mint. I want this. I'm like, all right, I will have three of them. You'll have two spoons of this, one spoon of this, two spoons of this. And he's over it. Yeah. But when you deprive it and say, no, you can only have this tiny cup and only a little bit, and then you'll have one. He's like, I want more. No, you can't. Now it's something special, mm. which essentially yeah. you don't want to do. It's not like they get cold stone every day anyway. But, you know, you you kind of set that up, especially knowing my personality and my genetics. Right. 
So now it's like the way we do it, it's, it's worked to a T with, with, my, with our kids. Cause we give them, well, you, I, if I eat this, can I have more? Yeah. Like she would go to, uh, my son would go to my grand, his grandparents' house. They're four doors down. Right. So she, my mom would get these little, uh, gummies from Trader Joe's and it's like a pack full of just delicious sugar. Yeah. And you <laughs> as, go over there and my mom do. would be like, <laughs> and you know what my grandma would do? Her, her grandma would go, you get only two. Mm. Two of them. So you put it in this cup and give it to him. He said, I want more. I want more. Nope. You get two. I went and bought a whole pack of that thing in my house. And next time he came home, I said, here's a whole bag. Here's a whole bag. He had 10 of them, 12 of them, maybe max. Guess how many times he asked for that again? Never, Never again. But it was something that was special to him. Every time he would go there, it was like, I want that. But you know, now my parents learned. It's like, okay, if you want some, just all right, here you go. You know, if you have a bowl of M&Ms in front of a kid, after a while, that bowl of M&Ms is just a bowl of M&Ms. But if you don't ever give a kid M&Ms and all of a sudden you have a bowl of M&Ms in front of them, they're going to try to eat as much as they can because they think it's something special. So that kind of works for us. And and it didn't work for me because I would always be like, I can't get this. So now I'm at my friend's house and he's got a a pound of chocolate sitting there. I'm going to eat as much as I can because I'm never going to be able to get that. Right. And I think that's the main difference of the way my mentality was. It wasn't like, dude, you eat this pound of chocolate, you're going to gain, you know, 3,500 calories equals a pound, right, Chris? So you're going yeah. to eat less. Like, <laughs> but isn't this, this the hardest thing in the world to get folks to, uh, because, you know, there's scarcity around money, there's scarcity around stuff, there's scarcity around feelings, there's scarcity around food. Like we can all grow up in that mindset of not having enough of it as kids. And then we get the thing. Like yeah. for me, it was money. We grew up, we never had a lot of dough. And then when yeah. I became successful and I made a lot of money, I was an idiot with my money. I just didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. So I, I think the, the, the thing we're talking about is how can you start to, div- how can you move out of that scarcity mindset? Chris? Yes. You know, and it, again, th- this is where I, I would bring in the help of a, of a real professional, because I think every, the root for so many people is it's in a different place. But the thing is what, what remember I was talking about, it's like, don't you wish you could take that lesson and teach it to all these adults that yeah. are struggling right now? It's like, especially even all the, like the eating disorder specialists that we talk to, they're like, no. It's okay to have an Oreo. It's okay to have a slice of cake. But then it was funny because I remember in in season two, Jackie, who we were talking about not too long ago, she's like, if you put an Oreo pie in front of me, I'm not going to eat a slice. I'm going to eat the whole thing. But that was Jackie in season two. And now she's actually, after going through therapy, finding the root of and identifying the root of a lot of her behavior around food and and her disordered eating and her eating disorder then she found intuitive eating and now she can have a slice of Oreo pie and not smash the entire thing. So it's like, it really is rooted in awareness. That is the, but here's the thing. There's also no one size fits all. So that awareness for everybody is a little bit different. And so it's like, I'm sure there's all these people out there listening right now thinking, what is it for me? Well, how do I crack the code? And it's like, well, this is, this is one of the benefits of talking to a professional. So I want to ask you Murbad, now, in 2023, how do you manage those moments of scarcity where that old mindset comes back and you need to like have that inner dialogue to talk yourself <laughs> out of it? Like, what is your strategy? You know, um, it's kind of crazy. Like just to, to add to that point is, is I understand my issues. And I think a lot of people, it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time to understand what your issues are. And I think each individual person is different. I've literally told this to, to so many of my friends, like you can have a way of raising a child and no two child are the same. So if you have one, like one is going to respond to positive reinforcement, one is going to respond to negative reinforcement. And you can't just apply that approach to both kids. And one of them is going to turn out to, to hate you and have issues. And the other is going to be like, I turned out fine. You have to cater that to both, you know, separately. And I, I, for me at this point, I understand me uh, and I understand like, hey, man, I have an addictive personality. That's just who I am. And the reason the addiction, that addictive personality exists in me is because of scarcity and saying, no, 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 you can't have this. So for me, it's like fill up when I can. So there's a couple things. One, fill up. If you want to eat a lot, just eat good food. That's the one mm-hmm. thing we replace. So so we have really, really good food at our house and we have all sorts of stuff in, in our house. All right. Um, uh, from our pantry, if you come into our pantry, it's fully loaded. 
with delicious foods and, and snacks and things like that. So you're never feeling like you're, you're being deprived in any way. Number two, I cook a lot. Like I cook, mm. I cook probably six days out of the week, you know, and I cook. And, and, and so does my wife a little bit here and there. But essentially, we cook breakfast at the home. We do the kids' lunches now that we're, or, and then and then dinners. Every night we cook dinner. And I think that helps out a lot too because even if you're going to eat a plethora of food, it's a lot better to eat, you know, something that's healthy, a, a big amount of, as opposed to, let's say, you're ordering pizza. So yeah. if you can eat eight slices of pizza, but now I'm eating, you know, I grilled some chicken thighs with, you know, an avocado salad and some rice. Now I'm eating that. That's still 10 times healthier if I'm going to have three chick- chicken thighs and a little more salad and a little more rice than it is if I'm eating, you know, eight slices of pizza or six slices of pizza. So I think uh, that and then also get yourself a good wife, <laughs> you know, because she's she cares about the stuff that we bring in. You know, we constantly have fruits and veggies and, you know, we are I can't even tell you how much our our weekly uh, uh, bill is with Costco, but we use Instacart. So they deliver, but we have all kinds of berries and fruits and organic, you know, all organic. And she like, she'll, if if the blueberries are organic, we don't get it. We get it from somewhere else. So she's very like on top of those things because she, she, she comes from a different background than me. So that helps me a lot too, because now I'm married to someone who was vegan for, you know, five to six, seven years. And now she's a pescatarian. I got her to start eating sushi, which I, 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 success with that. But, but so having someone like that, you know, uh, it, 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 it helps a lot, you know, uh, to, to having someone that is also there as an accountability partner and bringing you things. And also someone that's just, just also helping everybody in the house eat healthy, you know, by bringing different types of things in. So. Well, I, I, I want to give you props, man, because you know, obviously we've kept in contact since, since the show and everything. Heck, last time I was at your house here, we were there with, with Mike Epstein. And, yeah. uh, so, um, but, um, just to give you props because of the fact, just, just speaking from the weight loss aspect of alone and your transformation, um, because of your awareness and everything and granted, yeah, I know you, you gained 80 pounds or so back, but you lost 200 and in the process, and yeah, you, you gained like 80 back, but at the same time, you've maintained that and yeah. you're happy, you're healthy, you've, you've created a whole new sense of awareness around your situation. And you did, by the way, you've maintained that for 10 years now, which yeah, is yeah. really incredible. And now you've got a family and, and you've, you've expanded so much. And I'm like, gosh, look back 10 years where we were. And you're oh, such yeah. a different <laughs> person and you're happier oh, yeah. and you're healthier. And like, right. yeah, dude, you, you, you are from, from where I'm sitting, man, you're a success. You're an incredible success. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I <laughs> well, appreciate that. For sure. That, for Thank sure. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, and I owe a lot of it to, uh, you know, that, that journey and, and what we went through for sure. You know, um, just being able to learn the things I've learned. Uh, it comes a long way, you know, just, just knowing the little things, you know, uh, even the big things, but the little things that, 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 that help in the process and going through the struggles and being in that position. So I'm, 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 uh, I'm happy, man. I'm happy. Good, as, man. as we kind of start to wind down a little bit, uh, one of the things we love to offer our guests is an opportunity to present some sort of call to action to the folks who listen to our podcast every single week. And so what would your call to action be to somebody out there listening who might have been in your very similar position uh, back in 2012. You know, life is starting to get to a point where it's really challenging. You know you need to make a change. You're just not sure what it's going to look like, how it's going to feel, if you're going to be successful. You know, there's all the questions that come about. So what would you say to somebody listening right now who's sitting right there on top of that fence and they just can't seem to make the choice to Take that leap of faith. Um, the easiest thing I could say is take it one day at a time, right? I think a lot of people just like, I remember when I got home from the show and, and, and getting everything started. I mean, I, I was in a position where I didn't have a business. I have, there was a lot of things that weren't, you know, I was still DJing and trying to figure out my life. And, and, you know, when you try to think of where will I be in five years, where will I be in 10 years? I feel like that is what really scares people as opposed to like, you know, what I'm going to do today. 
You know, if you're in a jungle and you can't see ahead of you, you just see only because it's dark. You can only see one step at a time. But eventually, if you take one step at a time, you're going to get far. But if you just decide to quit right now, you know, and say it's just too hard, you're not going to get anywhere. So to me, I just say take it one day at a time. And 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 when you do that, it just makes things so much easier. I remember I think Chris said that, you know, uh, it was a really good I think the one thing I took away from from the show that I use it every day, Chris would say, hey, dude, like you don't need to go and work out for an hour every day. Work out for a minute. Just one minute. You do one minute every day and then do two minutes the next day. And if you do two minutes, but you hold yourself accountable. Now it's catapulting on top of each other. So essentially you think about it, it's like, man, all of a sudden, like you have this little, little uh, uh, snowball, right? That you put at the top of the mountain. And then all of a sudden it's rolling down. It's getting bigger, 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 bigger. All of a sudden it's in that. You created something that's unstoppable, but you started with this tiny little snowball rolling out little inches at a time. So to me, it's like, man, take one step. Even if it is one thing you want to do, say today, I'm going to eat a salad. That's it. Eat a salad for lunch. You just, you just hit a goal. And I think a lot of people just, uh, just set such big goals and such big things for themselves that they 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 make it hard to be attainable. But if you set one thing and say, today I'm going to eat a salad, you eat a salad. The next day you go, I'm going to eat a salad again. Now you get two days worth of salads. And then <laughs> the next day you say, I'm going to go walk one minute and just go walk one minute and eat a salad. Now two things you hit. <laughs> so essentially, all of a sudden you go, wow, now all of a sudden, like you're in a position in a year that you never thought would be possible you know, on, on, on where you're at, because now you're exercising, you're, you're married, you got kids, you got business, you got all these things, but it all started out with that one thing that you said you're going to do that day. And you did. And now it's like it catapulted into a hundred things that you're doing on a daily basis that you never thought would be possible. And, uh, and now it's 10 years later and you go, Holy shit. Like, excuse my life. <laughs> I did it Holy all. Shit, yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I, yeah I, I'm, I got my, you know, my life is where it is at today, but I never, ever thought 10 years ago would be where I am today. Right. I just said, you know, one, one step at a time. Yeah, I love it. That's brilliant advice. Yeah, and, and he's clearly a good yeah. student. He, he, like, <laughs> that could have come out of your mouth. I mean, 100%. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny. It's like, there's a lot that I've changed in my approach. There's a lot of lessons I learned, but that foundational lesson is still the, the root of everything that I still try to teach. Yeah. And I'm so Keep glad. The promises. That, I'm so glad that stuck with you, buddy. Man, that makes yeah, me happy. Thanks, right? Yeah, no, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's yeah, outstanding. So, um, all right. Well, you're here now. You're feeling good. Life is better. You're married. You got a couple of kids. You've got this great That's career. Right. So I guess what we're saying to folks is it's possible. There's hope. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. possible. Oh, yeah. It's it's like <laughs> you could is. you could grow up in a country where you they throw your mom in jail because she's got nail polish on and you leave and you then you just scatter for years and you can have all of that stuff happen to you and still you can make it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you live in if you live in this, you know, if this in this amazing country and you have the opportunities you do you know, just remember there's there's so many people in the world that would give an arm and a leg in a second mm. to be in the position you are. You're at the top. I would tell you you're in the top like five percent of the world. You know, if you've got the opportunities you have here and um, if you could take advantage of that and and um, and put your mind to it and make it work, anything is possible. Anything is possible. I mean, I, I'm a Murbod fan, man. I, 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 I told you you're going to love him. I told you you're going to love him. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me, man. It was, it was definitely a pleasure and uh, I love what you guys are doing and, and you're 100% correct about Chris and, <laughs> and, uh, and looking forward to uh, seeing him change more and more lives, you know, and uh, for the better, you know, it's not about the weight loss. It's not about the weight loss. It's, it's about up here. So it, it as always, long as you can change this, everything else follows, you know. So I'm happy that that's what he's doing and that's what he's working on. And, and you two are, uh, you know, making a difference. Ah, I love you, brother. All right, man. Love it's you too, good buddy. to see you, man. Thank you so much <laughs> for jumping on the show and have a great rest of your day. Awesome. Have an amazing day, guys. Take right. care, hey, buddy. We'll Bye-bye. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, wow. What a tremendous it, guest. Isn't he awesome? Man. Yes. And he's been through a lot, a lot. We, we brushed over some of it, you know, we brushed over his childhood, but boy, when he gets to the I details. I feel like I got a good understanding. You, I mean, he's like, he talks about the bombs and the war and, you know, hearing like literally explosions, gunshots, like as a child. 
some really traumatic stuff he's been through. Watching is your mom get arrested? Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on, man. These are really, really tough blows to, to anybody. Oh, and in a country like that, yeah. you know, when she goes away, you don't know what's going to happen to her. You know, I mean, you just sometimes for a lot of people, that's again, like he said, you never see him again. Yeah. Yeah, man. He's been through a lot. And I just I, like, it's so cool to see how he's created a, a whole new life for himself, you know, with kids and his wife is incredible. I mean, I'm just, I'm so happy for him. Yeah, I love that, man. Yeah. All right, well, listen, as we wind down episode number 36 of our I Needed That podcast, we've got a couple of things to handle. We're going to play Name That Tune here in a second. We've got a contest that uh, we need to declare a winner for. Yes. And I'm putting on a grief relief retreat in October that I would love an opportunity to tell you about. Yes. I'm so excited about give, it. Give me some deets. Let's talk about yeah, it. All right. All right. So um, before we get to name that tune in the contest winner, I, I started, uh, well, I met this woman like a dozen years ago and she does yoga retreats. That's her, that's her jam. And we've been good friends for a long time. And finally, the other day, we like some forces bigger than ourselves brought us to this equine therapy uh, farm, I guess. I don't so know if that's horse, right. horse therapy, horse therapy. Yeah. And she has just gone through a bunch of equine therapy herself. And she has had her world flipped on its head. What? It's been so powerful. For what her. is horse therapy? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So I'm going to get a closer look at it here on October 14th. But oh. basically what I understand is, okay, there's a couple of ways that it can happen. Number one, you can actually be in the, 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 the pen in the space with a horse Okay. And horses have the ability to absorb your energy and your anxiety really? and all of your stuff. Yeah, horses can actually feel your force and they can absorb it. So that's why ther- wow. that's why horse riding is so therapeutic for a lot of people oh. because when they're on the back of that horse, the horse literally just sucks all the stuff out right. and holds it, right? Yeah. And holds onto it. And then there's other times the one that we're going to do it is you can actually take like a, a horse who's had a, like a really tough, uh, a tough upbringing, yeah. right? And has a lot of anxiety, has major trust issues, has abandonment issues, has like a lot of the things that we deal with yeah. as humans. And if you, and so we have this equine therapist, uh, his name is Rob and Rob will actually work on the horse, train the horse and through the horse's anxiety or abandonment or issues, you start to see those things in yourself. Wow. And a real transformation can start to take place as you witness this horse working through their issues. It kind of gives you this permission and this lens to work through your own issues. It's wow. really amazing. Yeah, man. I'd never even heard of that or thought about that. I know. Wow. I'm so excited about it. And so we, we came together and we were like, oh, okay, we're sitting on something really special for people. And so... We're going to have this retreat on October 14th. It's up in Scottsdale. And basically, it's going to be a seven and a half hour, eight hour retreat. We're going to bring people up. We're going to throw them through movement and yoga and some mindfulness. And then they're going to have this equine experience. And then I'm going to lead a river ceremony where we're going to basically honor their loved ones. Because this particular one is for grief relief. That's amazing. Yeah. And so we're going to have this really gorgeous uh, uh, ceremony in the river, which, you know, is about flow and the elements and being in nature. And then we're going to go back and we're going to have a campfire and a dinner and just kind of talk about everything. And then we have like a little, little strategy at the end where we're going to give people some aftercare. So if they need a little, couple of more touch points, we can do that. It's really cool. Dude, it's super cool. And it's so right down your alley. Like you're all about exploring like everything that's possible yeah. out there. I love it, yeah. dude. Yes. So well, really as far pumped. as the equine therapy, but I'm excited for you to take the people through the river ceremony also because that's that's your jam right there. You've you've helped a lot of people through a lot of stuff. So I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the people that are gonna be doing it. For sure. And if cool. anybody wants information, please just reach out on an Instagram. Actually, I'll be posting about it now and you'll you'll see it. But um yeah, I'm so excited about this. And I listen. I don't know if this is where I'm meant to be, but I think it's where I'm meant to be right now in this moment. Yeah. And so I really want to give it a try because I know that we have something to offer people. So I'm super that's, excited about it. That, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to come up. I want to show you this space. I want to show you this horse, Madra, that yeah. we're going to work with. Uh, I think you'd be into it. So do horses sense fear? Because I'm terrified of horses. They can actually <laughs> absorb that. They can help you work on that. For real. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I'm a little spooked by horses too. They're just so big, massive, and they're <laughs> yeah. so strong. 
you know, I, I, I had a friend I think in the seventh grade and she got kicked by a horse and her lungs, her lungs collapsed. No, that'll happen. And I was like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. I will tell you that I have the same anxiety you do surrounding horses. And that when I went up to visit, um, he, he put me into a room with a horse and I was like, I'm terrified of this thing. He's like, it's okay. This is what I want you to do. And so he had me stand next to the horse. He's like, just stand there. You're just going to stand there for like a minute. Yeah. And I just want you to breathe. It took me like two minutes, but I eventually kind of calmed down. And I'm not kidding you, dude. By the end of this experience, which was maybe 15 minutes, I had both my hands on wow. the horse's like ass on the, on the hind legs. Yeah. And I was breathing with this horse. And at the end of it, I was like, I need to go take a nap. Wow. Like it completely drained me. It was wow. so powerful. That's wild. It's super neat. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. I'm excited to All see right. where it goes. Dude. Yeah. I am excited to see where it goes. Give us the full report. I will. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, all right, how do you want to end? Do you want to end with contest or do you want to end with name that tune? Oh, let's do name that tune, then we'll finish with the contest. You're we're brilliant. gonna we're gonna keep you guys hanging on to all see right. who the winner is. Well, go ahead and oh, you are already paired. You are already paired, you're yeah. ready to go. If you want to go first, you can. Otherwise, I've got a song ready to rock right this very moment. You take us away. Go all ahead. All right, you get the first couple of seconds of every single song and uh you tell me title and artist you ready all right let's go here it is oh um it's a uh, hosier um oh man um <laughs> start singing it <laughs> um 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 uh, i okay hose it says like it's like hosier or something or yeah, hosier hosier <laughs> i don't remember what it was but <laughs> song is called It's called Bad Love Take Me to Church That's right Okay Take Me to Church Bad Love Have you ever heard this guy really sing? Like he is an unbelievable talent Really? Oh he's got one of the biggest Most powerful voices you could imagine Oh man So I Worth exploring I, Believe it or not uh, I struggle with that song Because that song actually It um it, it, I know it came out in a dark part of my life when I was really struggling with my mental health. Ooh. Yeah. And so like, it would, so it's good. I'm, I'm totally good now, <laughs> but like whenever, the, the, every time that song comes on the radio, I'm like change. Oh, <laughs> change, wow. Change. Who knew I would hit a hot button no, today? It's, it's all good. It's all good. No, it's, this is, Hey guys, this is good stuff to talk about because yeah. it's part of life. What do you, you think know? it was about the song that, that made you like that gave you some visceral sort of response to it? Boy, I don't know. It was, um, you know, when you're going through a dark time, the songs that are playing on a regular basis on the radio, it, it solidified a chapter of my life. So th there's a cluster. There's probably about 20 songs that were on regular rotation. You, you know what I'm talking I about? I totally know what you're talking about. Sure, and I played yeah, them all. <laughs> there's, yeah, I know, I was, right? the, I was the asshole starting yeah, all those songs so, on the radio. <laughs> there, there's, that's one of the 15 to 20 songs that I'm like, oh, I'm just glad that chapter of my life is over. <laughs> you know, so. All right. Well, let's switch gears 100% then and okay. uh, do do something different. Let's let's pick up the energy a little bit. Here um, we go. You're right. going to love this one. Just need a chord. All right. It's all I need. <laughs> you and me, babe. Hey, yeah. hey. Here we go. Hey. You and me, babe. Hey, hey. This is such a great song. There we go. If I were a if I were a male stripper, this would be my song. That would oh, be a Def Leppard pour some sugar on me. Yes, yeah, dude. Hopefully that brings up a good chapter of your life. Takes you back to childhood and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Absolutely. I don't know. <laughs> no, I you know what what you're picking up on is that I was just never a really big hair uh band, hair metal band fan. Right. Yeah. I always appreciated Def Leppard and, you know, Quiet Riot and Rat and mm -hmm. all of those people from back in that era. But it was never totally my jam. In fact, I didn't even get into rock music until I was probably the early nineties when the grunge scene came about. Wow. Yeah, no it was way. pure hip hop from the entire eighties and, you know, still to this day. And Prince. And Prince. <laughs> and Prince, yes. And classical music. Yes, and anything out of the Twin Cities. <laughs> right? But other than that. Yes, that's fair it. enough. What does fair. Def Leppard mean to you? Is that like, like I imagine that's on when you're lifting weights outside? Not yet. <laughs> I was I was on my way to that era. But yeah, for me, it was just like hanging out. Um, I kind of lived in the country a little bit in, in the, on the central coast of California. So we're like in the foothills and it was sleepover. It was, I, was, I used to sleep on my deck and wow. it was awesome. And we just sleep out there under the stars and, you know, we'd swim in the ocean and 
Dude, it was cool. It was just like, for me, that was summertime. There it is. Yeah, it was awesome. All right, guys. Well, listen, as we wrap up our beautiful little podcast today, we do so with a giveaway. For the last week and a half, we've been asking you guys to take a picture of yourself listening to the podcast and then tag us in that entry. And we are super happy to announce today that Melrad511 is the winner of our contest. Yes, congratulations, Melrad. Yeah, she made a post on her Instagram and she said, my favorite place to listen to the I Needed That podcast is in my car. I've got a 45-minute commute to work and I've grown to love this bit of me time. I'm so grateful for your episodes. I'm happy they drop on Mondays. There's always something in each episode I didn't know I needed you here. Love you guys. Love you, Mel. Awesome. Isn't that awesome. great? Yeah, man. I love it. And uh, I hope, well, first of all, surprise. And I hope this put a little smile on your face. And uh, thank you so much for listening. You guys are seriously the best. And all the support. And by the, by the way, guys, don't forget, if you're loving the podcast so far, every five-star review goes a long way. And so, um, guys, let's, let's keep the love going. Amazing. Melrad511, thanks for listening. Everybody else too. Chris, have a beautiful week. You as well, my friend. All right, man. We'll see everybody next week on our I Needed That podcast. Have a great day. See you guys.